healthy. We are ready to have a happy marriage in a way I wish you never seen it. You are getting ready to see something that you never seen before. I don't want to deal with the paralytic today. The people around him preach my message for him. They stand up and say, what a move of God, because we never saw anything like this. I get real happy and we give all glory to God when new people join Kingdom Christian Church or come on over and they start talking about the signs, wonders and miracles that follow our ministry. And since joining the church, I got this and I got five contracts and this happened and that happened. And it is it is a type of understanding that this is just another level. Because hitherto, I've never seen anything like this in Christian character. To have some things around you that's just right. Do y'all know it can just be right? And to be able to walk away from that and say, my God, that is so amazing. Because in my upbringing, I never seen anything quite like this. Are you ready for another level of living? Can I work with that text today? So let's get enough Bible because y'all know me. I'm a Bible teacher and I never launch out into a doctrine off of one scripture. I believe that there's enough precedent in Holy Scripture to demonstrate that God is interested in breaking through some gates, breaking through some shires, some openings, some doors in your life. Amen. And causing you to experience some things that you had never experienced before. I want to call the role of a few prophetic people from the old Testament to help me walk through this text and I will not be long. Noah had to prepare for something that he had never, (laughs) did that bless your reg? See, preachers like points like that. He had to prepare for something. Come on, let's go to Hebrews 11 and 7 on the screen and you all throw it in your notes. But this brother, amen, had to get gopher wood, build an ark, gather up eight people, including himself and some animals for something that he had No, he had never seen it rain before. (laughs) And we know that's true because the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 7 that it was by faith. Uh Oh, how do I prepare for something that I've never seen? I get in faith. Because 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, I walk by faith faith and come on help me teach it and not 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 by sight. There are some things that I got to get used to not seeing. In the natural. Amen. If I'm going to get it by faith first and then I will see it in the natural. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. Look at this. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. The people in Mark 6 and 12, 2 and 12, rather, they said we never seen anything like this. We've been to a whole bunch of revivals, but we've never seen a man who was paralyzed up to his neck get out of the bed, pick the same bed up, and walk with it in the same day. Are y'all listening to me? We've never seen anything like this before. I, I, I should never forget. Quick story. Amen. Going to the hospital to see a member. Amen. And uh, went to see that member came out and bumped into some other members who said, oh, my God, Pastor Gabe, this has got to be God. We're bumping into you. Uh, uh, we have a cousin in ICU. Uh, got hit by a car yesterday, whatever day it was. He's on life support. He's not even breathing for himself. Sir, I I know you didn't come down here to see us. He's not your member, all this kind of stuff. But do you just mind stopping by that room? 
I said, sure, I'd be glad to. Amen. Because y'all do know we're servants. Is that right? Jesus said, I present to you as one who serves. Yeah, I'm here. I'll be glad to go up there to your to your nephew, cousin, whoever he was. And I went in that room and the boy's stomach is going up and down by a machine. He's all cut up. He's deformed because he 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 got bludgeoned by a vehicle. And I laid hands on that fella and I called him back to life and decreed that he breathe on his own and he come out of this hospital and he live a productive life in the name of Jesus. It was a few weeks later that uh, I was driving down Freedom Drive coming to the church for office hours and I saw a young man on a bicycle. And I said, that looks like that boy. Looks like the fella I prayed for. Not soon after that, I was at a a friend's church here in the city. And uh, this young fella, all I started hearing was Pastor Gabe, Pastor Gabe, something like that. He runs up to me and gives me a big giant hug. I'm the one who you pray for. I'm completely normal. I'm completely back to life. Not brain damage. Nothing is missing. Nothing is lacking. Are you all in here? And for so many people, you could honestly say, but wait a minute, I never seen anything. Like that before. A young man in our service some years ago, amen, when we were back at the school, dropped dead in the middle of service, stopped breathing and started going gray. They called in the paramedics. Amen. I felt somebody pull my shoulder. Pastor, it's an emergency in the back. This fellow is not conscious, not breathing. Two nurses in the church check his pulse. Pastor, he's gone. He's dead. Amen. All of this is going on. Amen. During the service, I get down on my knees. Amen. And I whisper in that boy's ears and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to open up your eyes and live. About that time. His eyes started. Y'all going to get with me this morning. See, I'm not doing this for patty cake hand claps. I want you to understand for most people in that room, they had never. (laughs) <laughs> they, they'd never seen anything quite like that. I had another member who had had a baby and the baby came out. Amen. Umbilical cord around the neck and was not breathing. Are you all listening to me? Amen. Spoke life into that baby, called that baby back to life. That baby is alive today. That baby, amen, is going to be a grown person real, real soon. Amen. And I know that family has never seen. Pastor, what are you doing today? I'm pushing on your lid. I'm pushing on your gate because if you've never seen it rain before, it takes a different mindset to believe that it can rain. If you've never seen the dead raise or seen a limb grow back or had a six second figure job or whatever your next level is, it takes an elevating out of your own perspective and what you're used to in life to believe that God can do more than this. Somebody shout hallelujah. So Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. But the Bible tells us that he obeyed God who warned him about things. What's your point, pastor, that he had never seen before? Habakkuk 1 and 5, the prophet Habakkuk gives us a similar storyline. And I'm almost through my introduction. Y'all still with me? (coughs) Habakkuk 1 and 5 says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. Are y'all looking at what I'm looking at? For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe if it were told you. Did y'all capture that? God says, I'm going to do something in your life. Amen. That's going to be so huge that it's almost unbelievable. 
It so breaks out of what you thought, what you were used to. What I mean, come on. I'm not just going to give you the promotion. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think. Watch me break your ceiling. I'm not going to give you the promotion. I'm going to give you the company. Yeah. I'm going to do something that's so far outside of what you were thinking. Had you ever been believing for something and then you got there and it was much better than you thought? Come on, somebody. Oh, man, you went down there to get a Ford Focus. Oh, hallelujah. And you're left with a Raptor. Come on. Is God bigger than where you are? Can, can God do more than what you can do? Can God do something if you'll expand the tents? The pegs of your tents. And that's what this lesson is all about today. It's about getting in a posture to where you understand that God's going to do something in my day that is going to be bigger than I am. If you're taking notes, write this down. If God is going to do something for you that you've never been seen before, this is not my point, but it's the point before the point. Just write this down. You must leave space for God in your life. You've got to leave space for God in your life. You've got to stop figuring everything out. You got to stop being so smart. If God is going to do something above your wildest dreams, if if he's going to do Jeremiah 33 and three, call on me and I'll show you great and mighty things. At a certain point, I'm going to give you a Bible for it. You have got to leave a gap in this story for God. That is, I did this. I did that. And there was God. Did y'all see that? I did that. I did that. I saved my money. But then God. I sold my money, but then God. I prayed, I sought the Lord. Uh-oh, I lived right because no good thing will I withhold from them that walk up right before me. And I did all I could in my own power, but then God kicked in. Oh, my God, and by his spirit yes. did things for me that I could not do for myself. Will you give me Bible for that, Pastor Rogers? Let's look at it over in Joshua 3 and 4, and I'm moving fast. Y'all, I'm not going to hold you long today. Amen. Bible says in Joshua 3 and 4, as they were getting ready to cross Jordan, it says, since you have never traveled this way before. Do y'all see that? Amen. If you're going to see things that outdo what you're used to, you got to conceptualize the fact that you're going to take away a path that you have not traveled before. Some of the biggest multi-billion dollar business owners in this world took a leap of faith, got out of the boat and did something that totally countered what they were used to. I'm talking about left good jobs, had it made in the shade, but knew that God had more and had better. And was willing to take the leap. Well, God says something similar. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. But watch this. Everybody say leave space for God. This is as they're following the Ark of the Covenant. Leave space for God. Stay about a half mile behind them. Keeping a clear distance, you could say, capital A, between you and the Ark. Or you could say between you and God. Do y'all see that? Somebody getting this revelation. Keep some space between you and the Holy Ghost in this matter. Amen. Do the best you can, but just keep on letting the Holy Ghost lead, though. Amen. Do your part, but keep on letting God be at the forefront of every decision you make. There is a way that seemeth right, but in the end is destruction. But if you acknowledge him in all your ways, come on, somebody. Will he not make it clear what you should be doing next? Is this a good lesson this morning? 
He said, make sure you keep a clear distance between you and the ark or capital A ark, you and the Holy Ghost in that time and make sure you don't come any closer. Make sure you don't come any closer. Make sure you don't get an anxiety about trying to do it yourself. Make sure you don't get an anxiety about how it's going to work out, especially when you've not seen this before. Can you imagine the mindset of the paralytic that's coming through a roof? Y'all, let's face it. This brother really and I preach it from another angle. People preach it from the angle of it wasn't safe. A lot of people like, oh, God, it wasn't safe, man. He was already paralyzed. I preach it from another angle. No, he was already paralyzed. What's the worst that could happen if they dropped him? Man, I don't feel nothing anyway. I can't feel my toes, my hands, my arms. I feel this man is a paralytic. He has nothing to lose. And people don't know how significant this miracle was because not only did he take up his bed and walk, if he had been a paralytic for multiple years, by now all of his muscles are atrophied. He does not have strong thighs. He doesn't have big biceps. But in a matter of a nanosecond, the power of God restored every muscle, restored every limb in his body. And he did something that didn't make any sense. How many of you, as strong as you are, picked up your bed this morning? So you got all restoration and superpower to do something that didn't make any sense. And my God, when the hand of God gets on you, aren't you glad you're going to be able to run through troops and leap over walls? You're going to overcome the grief of this life. Hallelujah. You're going to make it in perilous times. He said, leave some distance from God because you have not what? You're not going this way before. Y'all still with me? And I want to use Joshua to prove a point because this is going to help some of you in this room trust God more. This is Joshua chapter three. Everybody say this is the beginning. He hadn't fought the battle of Jericho yet. He hadn't fought the battle of Ai yet. He hadn't encountered some of these other battles he was getting ready to encounter. Are you all listening to me? But I want to skip because of time to Joshua 21 and 45. And then we're going to take a turn in this lesson. And real soon we'll have you out of here. Y'all still here? Amen. Because because he trusted God, because he let God do the leading. Notice, amen, at the end of Joshua's career, there is a scripture and review. The scripture in review says not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord has spoken to the house of Israel. I love this. All all came to pass. I prophesy that because you leave room for God, you're going to see some things you've never seen before, and it's all going to come to pass in your favor. Somebody shout the victory right there in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Now I'm saying shout like it's coming to pass. Glory to God. Yeah. This came after he left room for God. Some of you in here, Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to get my life on and get my life here. I don't care where you started. There are people in here who have humble beginnings. I know you're in the room. I know you're here today. There are people in this room, amen, who don't quite yet have the testimony that somebody gave me a wad of cash this week. I told you all I'm preaching kind of different these days. Amen. That vision conference really helped me because I'm helping people to come up. 
amen from where you are. And I don't say this in an arrogant way, but you can kind of look at a person like myself who the Lord has really, 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 really blessed in a lot of areas. And and if you're not careful, you can have one of two reactions. Number one, you can get jealous. Never do that because you're shooting yourself in the foot. All right. Or number two, you can start believing that it's unreachable. And that ain't true either. So now sometimes people like myself, amen, need to slow it down a little bit, reach back and grab somebody and really show them how God can take anybody out of the dung heap of life. It doesn't matter how humble your start is today. It doesn't matter how bad your sickness is today or how much money you don't have today. Are you all listening to me? Or what vehicle you're not quite driving yet today. Or what jewelry you're not wearing. Furthermore, don't worry about jewelry because all that's going to be burnt and melted anyway. But let me flip it on you. But get something when you get there. (laughs) Amen. You start doing good, go down there and buy you something. Amen. I like messing people up. They said, that's right. No, go get something. Go get something. My my wife enjoyed her upgrade. Amen. Go, Go get you something when you can. Amen. But, but, back to the point. To go back and say, Pastor Rogers, really show us how it all comes to pass is my mission today. Because many of us in this room, no matter what your status is, you need to start believing for something that is a new precedent in your life. Now, I never I seen this, but I hadn't seen that. You may have flown, but have you flown out of the country? See, when you fly out of the country, you need a passport. You go through customs. It's a different procedure. Are you all with me? I'm just using that as an example because for everybody in this room, is this good today, Linda? There is a next level. There is a gate to break out of. Let me speak to my divorcees for a second who the blood of Jesus has made you new. Can I just say that just because the first marriage didn't work the way that it should work don't mean that there's not a good marriage for you? That was a slow amen. I just pushed on your ceiling. You just had never seen it right. If you'd never seen it right, you can adapt an ideology that I guess all marriages are wrong. Are you all with me? When in fact, God's got better. Are you bored or are you still here? So let's see if we can walk through this first lady because this is very important. And I want to show you now that we see that not one word failed come to pass, that there is a reason why. And I'm going to give you four things momentarily. But there is a reason why so many of you, so many of us may not be able to believe for another level. And this is when the message really gets real meaningful. Are you being blessed? Amen. Trauma produces A certain outlook in life, if not abated. Trauma. Man, we're going to work on this thing right here. Trauma. I promise you, anybody in this room that's having a hard time believing for the next level or whatever, even for peace in your life, at the end of the day, it's because of some event, some paradigm shaping moment in your life that convinced you that either it's not possible at all or it is next to impossible to obtain that. And we call that trauma. Even in my profession, we call it trauma. Trauma. Trauma is that thing. What is trauma? An unfortunate event that causes somebody to rethink how life should be. What is trauma? An unfortunate event 
that causes somebody to rethink how life should be. And that is if they don't have the resilience to overcome that event. Trauma can recreate your whole life paradigm if you're not careful. Trauma will, for people of faith, rewrite your doctrines if you're not careful. Boy, this is anointing. Something horrible happens in your life, like a dad dying when you're younger, can make you think, amen, that that's just how life is. God just chose it to be this way. We just need to accept this. When in fact, amen, even in that trauma, there is no such thing as no reason why it occurred. I love this line I'm about to give you. There's always a reason. But God gets blamed for stuff that he had nothing to do with. Now, come on, let's use that example. The dad dying while you were younger may have something to do with him driving drunk. Did God give him the bottle? Y'all, it got it got cold in the room on that. Come on, y'all was with me when I told you something great was coming. But if you're going to get to that greatness, you got to overcome Let me apologize for some of you in this room on behalf of a parent, a guardian or a grandmother who should have been watching you. When you were eight or 10, when something heinous happened to you and made you sort through a big part of your life going forward, that's trauma. Amen. And I want to build you up. How many of y'all know the blood of Jesus makes you new? The blood of Jesus rinses all that stuff out, does it not? Amen. But if you're not careful, trauma is a limiter. Can I show it to you? Amen. There was a time when Jesus fed the 5,000 and women and children. So that means it was probably something more like 20,000 he fed that day. But there was another event soon uh, around that same time where he fed 4,000 people. And I want you to look at Jesus's disciples mindset. Even the disciples had to overcome a lid. Even the disciples wrestled with seeing stuff that they had never seen before. Can I teach it this way? Why did Peter start sinking? Because he never walked on water by faith before. He never had that experience. So he did good at first, but the Bible said he began to sink. Are you all still here? And over in Mark chapter 8, can we walk through this trauma today? The Bible says, as Jesus was getting ready to feed 4,000, his disciples answered him. Amen. Listen to what they're saying, because Jesus is saying, we got to feed these people. Listen to what the disciples say. They answered him and said, where will anybody be able to find enough to satisfy these men with the bread? Look at this here in this desolate place. Good God Almighty. This empty place. Come on. Can we be honest for a second? Has anybody in this room ever been in a desolate place? An empty place. I don't know how I'm going to come up through this place. This is a hard trial. I'm being compassionate this morning. I've been through so much. This is a what? Desolate place. And bread is symbolic of life in Holy Scripture. And the question becomes, where are we going to find bread in this? Come on, let's be honest. Have you ever been there? Have you ever struggled to find life in a lifeless place? Come on, everybody say that's trauma. That's when you bury somebody that you really, 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 really love and you're trying to make some sense out of it. That's a desolate place. 
That's when somebody who you put so much confidence in and you thought he was a man of trust or a woman of trust. And then they up and leave you amen, for some heinous reason that can be a desolate place, because not only are you now divorced, but you also lost. Listen to this. You lost an identity in life. You went from being at least married to what could be construed as, if you're not careful, amen, a demotion back to singlehood. Am I teaching trauma okay? That's, that's a desolate place. Amen. Trying to find bread in that place. Am I doing okay today? Because we're talking about breaking through some gates, but I'm trying to show you first how the gates got there. There's a way a gate got there. Amen. I'm telling you, in our community, man, we, we get gates put in us by entertainment. Why did I get married? Right. One and two. Come on. I think I love my wife. Is that a gate class? Can I challenge those of us who are African-American in the room just for a second? I will give you a hundred dollars if you can find me five wholesome black movies where we was just right in the movie. Come on. Come on, poetic justice. I'm saying from even when I was a teenager, can you, can you, I'm like, God, can you find me five? Come on. Most of our movies, amen, if it's not a man dressing up like a woman, that becomes the creme de la creme in our community. Those are our icons. It's another comedian telling you single women, amen, to apply the 90-day rule. Uh-oh. Go 90 days before you give it up. Isn't that what Mr. Harvey told you? Yes, it is. Yes, that's what he told you. Not understanding that the minute that you give it up, you get devalued. And what does that do? That puts more trauma in place and makes you feel more worthless. And now he rolls on to somebody else and you're broken and confused trying to figure your life out. You better say amen before I come down your aisle. I'm saying I will walk down your aisle. You know I'm telling the truth. All kinds of backward stuff being fed to us. And didn't scripture say it right? It said evil communication corrupts good manner. Don't you come telling me a man can't be trusted to stay with one woman? Yes, he can. He can raise all his children. Yes, he can. He can be a good steward over his money. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. The heinous crime that have torn us up because of systematic traumas. Oh, I say this so compassionately because I know it's in the room. That's why we built a home for unwed moms. That's why it's so close to my heart. And I'm saying it so compassionately. My God, if you've had an abortion, don't you know God loves you? Isn't that true? Don't you know he will restore you and has? Hallelujah. That's what the blood of Jesus does, doesn't it? But y'all, Margaret Singer convinced Convinced our community. Go back and read her literature. She said, let's get the Negro preacher on our side. So that if any of those people get out of order while we are trying to do genocide in their community, they can bring them. Come on, Alan, Jesse, they can bring them back in. And in New York, the last statistic was that black people kill more babies than they give birth to. Can you say trauma? 
What's that doing to all those young ladies and middle-aged ladies? Trauma. 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 That's why we got to teach our boys dignity. That's why I don't just so new members, so you know, I don't just let them go up and have youth church every Sunday. Now I need the children to learn how to sit in regular church sometime. Amen. And this is a church you can go to without a bunch of dress clothes. You don't have to have all of that. Those are a bunch of gates and barriers too, aren't they? Amen. But yes, do have some dignity days where you teach the young men, hallelujah, how to put something on that they would put on when they go to a job interview. Get all that trauma out of them. Get all, you, know why, you know why some people act like goons? They've been taught to act like a goon. They have, they've been taught to be in a desolate place. They've been taught to be less than. They've been taught that instead of saying, good afternoon, sir, I got to give you an ignorant. I don't let people fist bump me the first time they meet me. No, I'm a man. Good afternoon. How are you? Look me in my eye and shake my hand the right way. Are y'all listening to it? That's called dignity. But those desolate places and those traumas. And y'all, I'm teaching it compassionately because you're in the room and we're going to do an altar call in a minute. But I'm telling you, that's what causes you, amen, to get to a place of Mark 2 and 12 where you officially say, I've never seen anything like this before. Both of my grandparents are in heaven now. Uh, and I remember one of my grandmothers in particular. In fact, both of them were this way. They were such sweet ladies. And at times, one would come up and spend the summer with us in Connecticut. And I remember she would come up there to Connecticut. And uh, my dad had this tradition to where he would take them to, 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 the, to the store. Amen. And, uh, and get them a new dress. That was a part of what, what he would do. Amen. And uh, my God, it, it was like, oh, God. A, a act of Congress. Amen. Uh, because uh, grandma, you going to get that one? Ooh, no, baby. You see that price? See, he hit her lid. Sweet lady, but I'm not worthy to put that on. Who should wear that? Are y'all here? Who is worthy? And y'all, this can hit all of us, even those of us who are doing quite well. I'm telling you, some of y'all might think I just spend money like this, like, no, I don't. I'm very thoughtful of money. That's one of the reasons why we're debt free. Amen. I don't don't believe in throwing money away. (laughs) Amen. I'm thoughtful of money. I was at a minister's conference and me and Pastor Rondi went down there together. He met me down there and I went in the bookstore and I said, man, that's a mighty fine Bible. And I picked the Bible up. Amen. And uh, I, I said, boy, that, that's nice. Leather bound, man, like goat leather or something like that. You know, it's a good one when it's got goat leather on it. And I said, man, that's a nice Bible. And I looked at the price. I said, Woo! <laughs> I sounded like Joe Clark. My God. That Bible was $200. I put that Bible back on that shelf. I said, good God almighty. And I prepared to walk out of the store and go into the worship. Because, you know, to me, you know, that's okay. Instead of getting the leather Bible, I'll just get the paperback. Because the paperback is only $40. It's got the same content. Why don't I get the paperback. Uh Uh-oh, question. Who should have the leather? 
Who's the one that should walk out of that store? I'm saying, what other pastor that was at that minister's conference, amen, from Arkansas and Kansas and Chicago, they were from all over the world, good guys too. Which one of them should walk out with that Bible and why isn't it Pastor Rogers? Are y'all listening to me? I started walking out. I saw Pastor Rondi, who's going to preach our conference, up at the cash register, checking it out. He said, no, my brother's worthy. <laughs> Are y'all getting this? Now, I had enough money for it. I don't have no money problems. But no, my brother's worthy. This is the Bible you deserve. Are y'all seeing this? So can you see how we all at a certain point, that Bible's at my house now, but we all at a certain point have a lid? That we butt up against. Come on, who will be honest this morning and say you got you got a desolate place. You, there is something that you kind of feel like, yeah, I could do this part, but now that's for somebody. Is this a good lesson today? And so the Bible continues to unfold this story. If you all stay with me and I'm not going to go too long. Amen. But I really want you to get this. Amen. Because once they got past their lid, Mark eight and eight says that they ate and were satisfied. And that's what God wants to do in all of our lives. He wants to move us to a point to where we eat and we're satisfied. But not only were they satisfied, they picked up seven large baskets full of what was left over of the, oh God, trauma. Broken pieces. God is saying to you this morning that there's some stuff left over from your broken pieces. Bread in the Bible is symbolic of breaking a human being. That's why when Jesus did the Last Supper, he broke the bread. Are y'all listening to me? When he fed 5,000, what did he do? He broke the bread. When he went to the cross, what did he do? He broke the bread. And when you went through in your life, but you didn't die in the trial, there's still some left over you, over the broken pieces. Oh, you may have had that abortion. You may have had the divorce. You may have had the house fire. You may have had whatever it was in life. But God is saying that there's still baskets full left over of the broken pieces. Lift your hands and shout, my life is not over. trauma the broken pieces broken pieces you don't pastor you don't know where I come from it don't matter where you came from because there's still some left <laughs> Jesus I sense the anointing dropping now it's still some left of the of the broken pieces pastor you don't understand one of the single sisters would say I, 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 sir I don't even tell anybody this testimony I've been with 19 men in my life oh but you can still have re-virginized holy matrimony because there's still some left because if any man be in Christ, I got some help now. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And you might be like Pastor Rogers. You did some things in the past that you're ashamed of. But the blood of Jesus has made you new. And there's still some left over. Of the broken pieces if you'll change. If you'll commit your ways to the Lord. Take your seat. Is this a message of hope? Everybody say, I'm coming out of trauma. Is this blessing you today? Come on, I'm coming out of trauma. Now I want you to do something. The Bible said for a spirit of heaviness, put on a garment of praise. I want to take a break in the message right here. And let's just praise the Lord for this new day we're coming into. I'm coming out of grief and loss. I'm coming out of depression. I'm coming out of every hard place because there's still something left. Other broken pieces. Glory to God. 
And where I'm headed, I'm going to eat and be satisfied. And my life is going to move into overflow because I'm not dead yet. God has something in store for me. Glory to God. Come on, take your seat. Everybody say trauma. I may have to save some of this for another Sunday, but we're talking about how to get ready for something you've you never seen before. <laughs> you, you, you never seen that before. I, I never lived like that. I never wore a dress that cost that much. I, I don't know what that's like. I, I don't know what it's like, amen, to, to, to on my way to my house have to put a code in to get through a gate in the neighborhood before I get to, y'all ain't saying nothing. Are y'all listening to me? Amen. But that's what God wants to do. He wants to move you to another echelon. Because not many wise are chosen. Not many noble are chosen. He chooses the foolish things. Because by the time you make it to be his poster child, everybody's going to know the only way you got there. It's not because of a Harvard education. It's not because of your pedigree coming up. The only way you got there was by his grace. Now men may see your good works. And what does he want? Come on. Glory. Glory. Now what does he want? Glorify the Father. Lift your hands and say, I'm going to give God glory. I'm going to be so successful. I'm going to give God glory. I'm going to break out of some traumas and I'm going to give God glory, 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 glory. Amen. Trump, come on, take your seats. I'm just teaching. Is this all right today? Are you getting anything out of this? Are you breaking a glass ceiling? Well, Pastor, you don't know what I did in college. I don't care what you did in college. I'm saying, what are you doing right now? I've been married twice. Great. 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 I lost my first husband. So did Ruth. <laughs> Y'all ain't saying nothing. So what is this thing of trauma all about? I'm almost done. It's about Lodabar. And we're going to have to spend a couple of weeks on this because it's just too rich to give it all to you in one day. But I'll skim the top. Is that all right? Amen. And this will give you a reason to come back next week. It's about Lodabar, Lodabar, Lodabar. Amen. The Bible talks about Lodabar in 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse number 4 because David wanted to show kindness to somebody who was from Saul or Jonathan's lineage specifically and found, amen, one of Jonathan's uh, relatives, this fellow Mephibosheth, amen, who had a foot issue. Amen. He was uh, to be looked at strange because his foot feet were irregular, could not walk like you and I. He had a foot issue. And yet David asked, where is he? I prophesy that God is asking, where are you? <clears throat> where is he? And Ziba the king, amen, answered, you'll find him in Lodabar at the house of my care, son of Emil. What is Lodabar? It is a barren place. What is Lodabar? It is an unfruitful place. Where will you find him? You will find him in Lodabar. But now, come on, class, look at verse number eight and look at Mephibosheth's mindset. So Mephibosheth bowed down and said, look at this, y'all. Very important. What is your servant that you would take interest in a dead dog like me? Is that in your Bible? I said, is that in your word? 
Am I preaching out of Mecca Bish or is this holy scripture? Is there such thing as you and I ever come into a place in life to where we feel like we're worthless? Have you ever had a conversation with God, amen, in your past up to now where you literally all but said to him, Father, why do you even want me? Who am I that you would take interest in a dead dog? Do you know the most derogatory thing you can call in particularly a woman is a dog? In fact, that's what that word means, by the way, that I will not even hint at. Amen. When somebody calls a lady that word, y'all know which word I'm talking about. They are calling them a dog. For somebody to call you dog water is one of the most demeaning things a person could be called. Yet in this case, nobody's calling Mephibosheth this. He's calling him. And you know why he's calling himself that? Trauma. Because when all the other men could go to war, he couldn't. Because he had a handicap. Jesus. When all the men were probably out dating and finding a wife, nobody was interested in him. Because he had, he had a handicap. Are y'all getting this? When everybody else was concerned about this and concerned about growing in their life, because of his impediment, he couldn't take advantage of it. Can I get these four gentlemen on the front row to do something for me? Will you all get that black table and bring the tablecloth to, and will you just please lay it across the front here? Because this is where we're going to sum up this message today, and we'll get to the four points next week. But the truth is, there's trauma. There, there are things that causes people, amen, to not go forth, even though there's some things that God wants you to see. There's some things that God wants you to have. I heard it come out of your spirit. Somebody say, oh, give me one point. I give you one point today. How, how, how do you believe for something bigger than when you are or prepare for something you've never seen? I give you one point. Just one point today. Number one, don't base future occurrences on past experiences. Write this down. Trauma is a limiter. Now, I got three more points to share with you. We won't get there today because of time. Don't base future occurrences on past experiences. Will you give me? Two chairs, please, and put the tablecloth up there, gentlemen, please, I'm asking. Amen. And yet, Tony, in that same chapter, there is at least two or three times where David said, amen, that uh, when Mephibosheth comes, I'm going to take good care of him and provide for him. And keyword, he's going to eat with so I close this message, amen, uh, and I'm going to ask Brother June to be David. Would you take that chair and would you just simply swing it right here at the dinner table? I want to prove a point, and this is how we're going to close this word out, because uh, somebody's leaving here trauma-free in about six, six more minutes, amen, because uh, David was the king all this time. And Tony, if you have that scripture in, uh, second, in Samuel 9, where you could put it on the screen, amen, where Mephibosheth was asked to dinner. He was invited, amen, to eat with the king. And David said something, who is a type of Christ, King David, King Jesus. David said to him, Jesus said to you, do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan. 
And I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather. Everybody say restoration. restoration. Your grandfather saw, and, and that's going to happen no matter what you've been through in life, now that you're becoming obedient. <laughs> and don't worry about your feet, because you're going to eat at my table. Y'all seeing this come alive. So every single night when King David was in office, he would take the dinner table on this side. And with all the other dignitaries, you may be seated, David. They would serve him an entree of food, lamb and leg of lamb and steak. Oh, come on. And scrimps, because I know some of y'all like scrimps. I don't eat bottom feeders, but catfish, whatever you like. Amen. I don't think he ate that. But uh, David would, would grace the table. And uh, before he started eating, he would say, where's Mephibosheth? And uh, Mephibosheth would come, <laughs> hallelujah, to the table that he wasn't able to eat at before he got rid of his traumas. And what I like about this story is when he got to the table, everybody looked the same. At the dinner table, nobody had a leg problem because the blood covered up his weakness. And I decree today that Jesus is inviting you to the table. And when you get to the table, <laughs> the tablecloth of the blood of Jesus, it's about to cover up any and everything that brought you to this point. God is about to relieve every single trauma because while you are yet sinners, Christ died for you. I'm getting ready to go home, but aren't you glad about the tablecloth? I said, aren't you glad about the blood of Jesus? That when we all sit down to eat, we all look the same. You may have come from the projects. She came from the gated community. But when we all get to the tablecloth, aren't you glad we all look the same? You ought to shout hallelujah. Because I'm coming out of this trauma. Shake your finger at the kingdom of hell. And remind that devil that you tried to keep me down. You tried to keep me down with the things of my past. But if anybody be in Christ, he's a new creature. You tried to take me out with sickness, but I got the tablecloth of the blood of Jesus, and I'm not gonna be sick anymore, because I'm about to wrap myself up in his grace. I'm gonna wrap myself up in his power. Cause when we all get to the table, we all look like King Jesus. When we all get to the table, we all look like King David. Somebody say bye-bye to trauma and hello to victory. Lift your hand and say yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's enough. <laughs> to be continued on February 11th. Hallelujah. But in the meantime, shout about the fact 
that you're not going to judge your future off of your past. Hallelujah. I've never seen this before. But oh, glory, I'm about to see it because I'm getting over myself. I'm getting over how I think. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Somebody lift your hand and say, hey. Lift your hand and say, hey. Lift your hand and say, hey. <laughs> Man, look like somebody knows better is on his way. Yo, I'm getting ready to go home, but I said somebody knows better is on his way. I'm getting over the traumas of not having a dad. I'm getting over the traumas of molestation. I'm getting over the traumas of drug use. Somebody lift your hand and shout glory. Hallelujah. 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 You can move this, gentlemen, please. If you're in this room today, and there were some significant traumas in your life that have put gates around you. But now you know, like Mephibosheth, once I pull up my chair, <laughs> everybody looks the same. I see you coming. Come on, come on, come on. Everybody looks the same. You, you want to come on down and you want to leave it at the altar? Come on, come on, come on, come on. We got time.